Welcome back to the Oklahoma drill and boy howdy is it not fun to be here oh man <laughs> is this the worst it's just the pits everybody and here we are so let's let's talk through it all four of us here today uh, myself Alex Nathan and Sam uh god I don't even know where do we start with this one well, I think for me, you know, this is definitely, I know last time we had a sad pod, it, you know, list, I kind of listened back to it and we weren't actually that sad, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I it think was, we had, yeah, I think, yeah, we had had enough time to kind of get over it and it wasn't like, you know, it was like bad, you know, suspensions and recruiting news. It wasn't like actual game results. So, um, this one has... It has not set as well as as that news did. So I think we are in store for a legitimately kind of sad pod. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So hope you guys Especially are because that. there's nothing to look forward to to remedy a sad pod. Like most of anything exciting that would happen with signing day was part of our first sad pod, which in hindsight shouldn't have been as sad, but we have. Not a lot to look forward to mm -hmm. coming up, other than pondering on what went wrong this entire season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got late signing day coming in February, which, I mean, there's still some pretty significant things that can happen there, but it's not like, you know, it's like two or three guys, basically, that we're looking at at this point. So um, definitely not the 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 stuff to look forward to like last time so um i just i guess i'll go ahead and start you know because i know that sam and i were at the game and right. that Let me tell was you, the a stadium, special stadium's beautiful it's a great stadium you know the good, concessions good are point. cheap yeah the concessions are cheap you can buy a chicken basket with fries for six dollars which is oh, great. that's incredible beautiful yeah that's and that was like probably the only sad lining of the of the blowout is that alex and i who were we were sitting in separate areas but neither of us cared to stay in our areas especially alex who was in a heavily populated lsu section um so yeah we both ditched our seats pretty quick into the blowout and then you know toured that lovely mercedes-benz stadium got to see a lot of what's going on there so <laughs> right yeah and definitely shout out to good friend of the show loyal listener jeremy wiggins who uh was the one i guess technically his wife hooked him up and me up with tickets to go to the game very happy to actually get to go obviously the result um was not was not in no. our favor no um so what I'll say is, you know, I, I heard a lot of optimism from OU fans in the, you know, the couple of days leading up to it, just kind of, a, you know, I don't really know how we're going to do it, but I just kind of get the sense we're going to win. You know, I kind of heard that right, sentiment quite a bit. I, I, and yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just like, I don't know. I shouldn't feel this way, but because the re like the reality of the result makes me feel like we were optimistic, even though I know like we really weren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. I, will say I was that really I, only I, optimistic no. for a like late backdoor cover where we lose by ten, and it's like seemingly competitive the whole game, but not actually. That's what I was optimistic right. for, and we couldn't even get that. No, I, I mean, I will say I never really had much hope, especially of winning. I just like when I can't figure out how we can possibly win a football game. Like, I, I'm not going to go into it thinking, oh, yeah, we might actually win because like I just the secondary was just too big of a hole for us to overcome, overcome. Right. I thought going in obviously was proven correct in that regard, um, but it just I will. I never had quite the hope. I think maybe Nathan, did you have a little well, bit of hope, kind of bleeding? I had. A, I never thought we would win. Uh, I I did kind of have a somewhat positive feeling. Like I think I just kind of finally kind of talked myself into them, like playing over their heads and maybe hanging around for a little while, maybe getting into the fourth and 
LSU just kind of pulling away at the end, just being too much. But, I mean, I, I think that was just too much uh, hard overhead winning out. Um, I mean, I, I certainly didn't think it was going to be that ugly, but it, in hindsight, I mean, it was obvious it was never really going to happen, especially after the suspensions. But in Delary and Turtle getting hurt and everything, it's just, it just too much to overcome and the best – even in the best case scenario, was probably going to be a long shot. Yeah, and I think that one was super undersold, the Delarin Turner Yale injury, because it wasn't, you know, the big clickbaity news story of suspensions, potential like drug test, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. No one really talked about that mo- one as much as Ronnie Perkins, or even, I mean, people talked about Trajan Bridges more than they talked about Delarin Turner Yale, who is a legitimate starter and had been playing really well lately. And you saw that pay. I mean, the, they torched us again and again, and it wasn't even yeah, the cough winner that went off against us. They they targeted right. Justin Royals as often as possible. It was yeah. yeah, it was it was one of the most ruthless things I've ever seen a team do, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, they and were more, totally I mean, more comfort- power to them. It was completely yeah. justified. They should have. Yeah. So they were just you, could, you I mean, couldn't do a thing to stop them. Right. They were so comfortable in just repeatedly just putting him in unwinnable situations or, and just yeah. capitalizing on his every mistake. Um, I, I is, really like how Nathan, sorry, I really like how Nathan described Justin Broyles to me, like during the game. And he said, Broyles is small, but at least he's slow. Um, <laughs> like I think after he got burned for like the 50th time. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's just the perfect way to describe it. Like the guy, like 5'10", 5'11", maybe, probably runs like a four seven four eight forty like yeah that's not good at all like there's, i mean there's really no redeeming quality there he's he's the safety equivalent of dakota austin like right probably a better per like you know pro- well i don't that that's me sounds mean to dakota austin like he's their consummate program guy like we'll do anything for uh-huh. him, but he's just not talented enough and it's just painfully obvious in this sort of situation uh when he's against the first round pick likely and Justin Jefferson, um, it's just who's just abusing him over and over and over again. It's just it was just hard to watch. And I think like at no point did I feel like I didn't think Broyles was just like unprepared to play. Like he no. he did what he could. It just it was never gonna work. And honestly, we shouldn't be surprised that this happened. And it's honestly to me. It's more unfair to Justin Broyles than anything that he was even had. He had to be put in that position right. because the guy just does not have the talent to play at a school like OU. Right. And definitely not against um, just the, you know, the high, a Heisman winning, like no. one of the best quarterbacks of the five, of the past decade um, playing behind a uh, Joe Moore, a winning a Joe Moore winning offensive line. Um, it was just never going to work out in his favor. And yeah, it's unfortunate for him that he was repeatedly embarrassed on national television to the tune of 63 points. Um, 49 and a half, 49 and a half. It was just, it was, I mean, they did things to OU that they haven't done all season. I mean, they, they hadn't scored 63 all season. Right. Uh, and I just, uh, there was a tweet I saw during the game that said that privately LSU staffers uh, didn't really think OU was a top 15 team. Yeah. Which is maybe a little harsh, but at the same time, I can totally understand that given just the trajectory of the way the yeah. team was playing. See, yeah. The, so to me, I see those things and they kind of immediately annoy me and like make me want to argue it. But whenever OU loses by five touchdowns and they look like that, I just you, you lose the ability to even you know have a leg to stand on whenever you argue against right. that type of thing. So um, I don't think I, may, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, this is maybe too broad in terms of like maybe it's not time to look at the season this way just yet. Um, but man, did this team peak like in week four? Um, and it's just been downhill from there. Essentially, like the, I, I feel like the offense peaked against like West Virginia, and then the defense peaked against Texas. Um, and 
you know, the defense like fell off a cliff for a bit there and then recovered uh, towards the end. And the offense was just in straight up decline for the rest of the season. Uh, just every game, it feels like we can do less and less. Um, I had a lot of hope after yeah. CD's long grab, but man. Yeah. Well, I then think I... that... Go ahead, Alex. Well, I just think as far as the season goes, the you know the first part of the year, we were playing teams that were incapable of stopping really anything. And, right. and whenever we were able to do our first option, like that was fine and we were really successful doing those things mm-hmm. but when it came to you know once we had to really start executing in the passing game like it just wasn't going to happen with Jalen Hurts um and then defensively i i guess i'll kind of push back at the idea like best defensive performance of the season was against Baylor uh in the Big 12 title game yeah that's um, true that's i would fair. take that over what they did against Texas even so um, I think that, that the defense played some pretty good defense, you know, the last two or three games of the season. Um, they were great against TCU. You know, there, there were right. some really strong defensive performances right. to close out the year. They just it just did not come with teams on the schedule. Right. Not, not against the purple right. teams. They hit a lull against Iowa State <laughs> and Kansas State They against the farm teams. Yeah. 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 So, so Sam, were were you going to say something? Oh, I don't even remember. I just my <laughs> thoughts on this thing are so scatterbrained. I wanted to talk when Ryan brought up the, you know, that Burrow was standing behind a Joe Moore Award winning offensive line, and like with that award, they were kind of talked about as you know maybe they didn't exactly deserve it this year. Unlike OU last year, where it was very obvious they were the best offensive line and had four guys get drafted, like. A lot of people thought that LSU was getting that award based on reputation, like they were the best offense in the country and Burrow was incredible. So obviously you got to keep giving the offensive awards to him. And their, their, you know, sack percentage and different numbers like that weren't the best throughout the season. But good God, it was apparent that Ronnie Perkins was not in that game. I mean, we just could do absolutely nothing against them. And, uh, yeah, and just like, I mean, full credit. Um, they picked up blitzes incredibly well all day. Um, you know, the one time <laughs> I saw, and spoiler alert, I turned this game off in the second quarter. Yeah, I didn't watch uh, the second half. No, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, after the, after the trick play that turned into a pick, I decided <laughs> yeah. that the season was over and that I should go do something else. Alex yeah. Alex and I can say that we watched the entire game and that we stood stayed around in the stadium, but we were yeah. we, we were, were well checked out. It was a, even towards the end of the second quarter it was like, "Huh, just scored again, huh?" Yeah. And then I, 3 minutes later they're scoring again to close out the half. Yeah, I drove home at halftime and watched the stand-up special. <laughs> that was how I spent my second half. Just needed to laugh and get my mind off it. So, yeah, I, I watched definitely for the second half. I feel like I stayed pretty in tune with what OU was doing offensively just to see if we could kind of put some points up, you know, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, but I, I tried the, yeah, the defensive possessions were really hard to, to kind of handle um, in the yeah. second half, especially just cause it was like, man, they should be like sitting on things and they're still putting up points on us. So that, really sucked a lot so um okay so everything when you're you're talking about the offensive line um for lsu and i want to talk about the play to where you just kind of knew the game was over after it like the first play that i really felt that way was when on one of the few occasions that we did get pressure on joe burrow and you know i it was that third and two where i thought he had flushed out of the pocket to the right. right. He was flying out of bounds, threw it up. I thought he had thrown it away, and I stopped watching for a few seconds. Oh God, yeah. And then I look up, and right in time to see the LSU guy catch it, and yeah. I just was basically horrified. Honestly, I was like, how yeah. did we just give up a catch in yeah. that situation? So I 
to me, that was when it was like, oh, this is just, this is over. Like, we have no shot tonight. Yeah, whenever, yeah, I think you're referencing the same play, the, the one where uh, the guy went out of bounds, he was forced out of bounds, and then he came back in and caught yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah, that was the one I agree. Yeah. That was, that's where I said, if they're hitting that kind of play against us, then this thing, we have no shot. Yeah, because it's like, we are, only, we are both, yeah. Because at that we, point, I was like, oh, we are both worse and less lucky. Yeah, so... Like the yeah. only way we were going to win that game is if we were the team doing that thing, that those types of plays. There's just, I just right. knew, yeah, I just it all crumbled away down there because that that took away a third down stop in their own territory, and then they went on to score, and then mm-hmm. you know it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I really, the, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. God, I just, I, I just wish for, to be back in the house on days. I feeling like we got screwed by the refs on that pass interference call. It's yeah. really rude to have even that taken from me because that so obviously does not matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean the only the only thing is that we might have been able to score on that drive, and it's fourteen fourteen, and then we probably lose sixty three to thirty five. Like great, <laughs> right? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, that's like big fucking that, deal. That play, the third and two, that was obviously that. I think that was. That wasn't the start of the snowball for me. That was kind of like the apex for like, all right, it's ramping up now. Because even, Mm -hmm. you know, three plays before that on their touchdown, we had solid coverage and Trey Brown is right there. And just Joe Burrow had 10 seconds to run around and finally fit it into a pocket. And then right Right. after that's when we get the the missed P.I. And then once you hit that third and two, I think that's where it just it spiraled. And like you said, it. That stuff obviously doesn't change the game completely, but mm-hmm. you know maybe it's a twenty ends up a twenty point game if we score there, we hold some momentum and it stays a little bit closer. Maybe we can force one or two more stops to where it's a two touchdown, three touchdown game instead of them scoring literally every drive except for missing a field goal. Yeah, um, I want to talk about the play that was my exit from the game. Um, which was, uh, and I think this will be a good on-ramp to uh, greater discussion about Jalen Hurts. Um, let's talk about the, um, frankly, very clever trick play that mm-hmm. uh, Lincoln drew up. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, CD comes in motion, catches a screen. Uh, <laughs> it's just back, then the pass back. Um, to um, the streaking uh, would-be uh, blocker on that fake screen. Just so clever. And we yep. get just <laughs> Whenever, overthrow a wide-open man. And yeah, just like the... Ex- threw, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, whenever he threw that ball, it's like, oh, he has him. You know, I, I was watching it in the air, and I thought, you know, it was going to be a huge play, and then it just stayed in the air. And stayed in the air yeah. <laughs> and stayed in the air. And yeah. it just seemed to hang forever. And obviously, then it got picked. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah. It, was all, it like, wasn't an arm punt because it was a spiral, but it sure it sure felt like it was in the air for about as long yeah. as a punt. And it's just like, dude, you're not throwing on Texas's backup corners anymore. This is the freaking college football playoff. You can't loft up a rainbow like you're playing jackpot in grade school. Like, put it on a rope and fit it in a window. Right. And it's, man, it's just so frustrating. And we can talk about how. Mm. Okay, before before we get into the uh, Jalen Hurts talk, because that is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about what I thought was the dumbest play of the football game? And I think spooky? you all will agree that it was the dumbest football play. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. Mm, the bookie play was one of the most unexplainably stupid things I've ever seen on a football field. And like, it is hard for me, like, you know, two days after the game, I guess we are right now. Mm -hmm. I I am so mad about it that I'm like, we've got to bench that dude. Like we have to be able to find a guy that can beat him out. Cause I don't want to watch him play football ever again. Um, Because it's just because and he's, you know, apparently after the game, he was in tears and he apologized to the press. He apologized to all of his teammates. And that's all well and good. But like, 
I don't know if you guys know have like remember that this is now like a pattern yeah. of his play. It's not his first time. Like, I don't think it is like Uki is a dirty player. That's just the reality of it now. Like, and and you know, you can dispute that. Um, you can talk about how great a guy he is. Um, but like anybody who wants to call him that just has to point to his history of dirty plays. Well, I want to point out too. Um, you know, I, one of the, one of the plays that sticks out to me with Buki this year is the play against Baylor, where he just completely left his assignment to go try and get Brewer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like to me, that also speaks to just a pattern of whenever it, you know, we're in situations where things maybe aren't going great. Buki decides that he's going to take it upon himself to like do something about it and it just right. is always the wrong decision yeah. and it's and a decision that, consistent and pattern. specifically the decision is a reckless hit um this yeah, is the thing the like when we talk about forget his assignment and right. go yeah. get burrow and then he does that right he i mean just we spent a lot of time leading up in the texas game talking about how frustrating how frustrated we are watching like Texas's DBs and like, you know, the contempt we have for these guys who are basically just out there throwing their bodies into people, getting themselves hurt, getting other people's hurt, getting other people hurt and how that's just not how football should be played, you know? And it's impossible for like, you know, cause like I want to see like sweeping reform and like the safety of tackling. Um, So it's impossible for me to like, both say those sort of things on this program and on my Twitter and be like, Oh, I'm fine with Buki. I can't be fine with Buki. that. You can't play football like that anymore. It's 2020 basically in two days. Yeah. And I feel like I would Not- like, I would be interested in going back to see, you know, like scouting reports on Buki coming out of high school because like there are professionals that get paid to do that. And so we rely on them a lot of times. So I admittedly don't remember a lot of what was said about Buki other than, oh, this is a five-star DB that's coming to OU. Uh, and it's like, I, I he came into OU doing this, and I just assume, you know, he's so, an undersized DB that made his living off of big highlight hits. Well, it's important to remember that he was primarily a corner coming into work. OU. So, yeah. So, the, the, the book on Buki, so to speak, I mean, the the report on him was that he was supposed to, supposed to be an extremely intelligent football savvy player coming out of high school. That was what was supposed to make him a five star. His he was supposed to have just next level instincts uh, and things that kind of um, superseded his physical limitations. Right. It was about his and instincts is, and his ball yeah. skills. Like yeah, and that is the absolutely not what he has done at OU. Um, he has repeatedly hit, made boneheaded plays um that has put have put his team in bad situations so i don't know if it's just a the case of he was able to get away with it more in high school if it was more because he was playing corner and maybe he wasn't uh in this in these type of situations as often i don't know but um that was the kind of the you know the the high level um report on him coming out of IMG, uh, coming out of California before that. So, um, yeah. Well, and I, uh, another thing about Buki that, you know, you kind of mentioned, like he was like a high IQ player. And I guess to me, like if you were looking at Justin Broyles, that was kind of a similar scouting yeah. report. Like he's a guy that is better on the field than what his athletic, you know, potential really shows. Yep. Um, and to me, that's kind of what I see with Buki is I kind of see a little bit better Justin Broyles. Like he's a guy that's not physically gifted in the sense of he's not blessed with height at all. He is blessed with better speed. Like, I don't think he's going to go run a freaking four, eight forty, but like, he's not a burner by any means. He's probably four, five, four, six. So he's fast enough to like, kind of stay attached to guys at times, except for against West Virginia last year. But, um, (laughs) You know, he's kind of he's kind of made it work. I do think that, you know, as you get more, you know, I think if he had played more in this game, there is definite potential for him to have been 
we'll call it broils a few times because yep. no, I do think that the physical limitations. Yeah, yeah, I do think the physical limitations that um, broils had are are similar things to what Buki was going to deal with. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it's good for him that he uh, got ejected to just hide himself and from that because he hadn't been exposed yet. Um, okay, let's 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 go ahead and talk about Jalen Hurts because you know we we finally made it through the entire season um and i i want to talk about it in the like what's the first what four or five games um were about as good as they could have been right mm-hmm. like it was playing bad teams holy yeah, shit yeah. we might have ourselves yeah we might have ourselves another heisman winner i mean uh, after um, the houston game i wrote a piece where i called him a master at the position of quarterback <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Like that was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you did that. We don't, we don't, we don't have one. to do these things. You know, we can just talk in our group text and then be private dummies whenever we get like <laughs> exposed later on. Right. Uh, well, I praised we this for you voice all, and wondered if perhaps he was pushing himself too hard and that he should learn to find the joy in the game. And, um, then he went and finished Heisman runner-up, and I'm not entirely sure why he was ever a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, just the numbers are insane. The overall numbers, and that, I think, speaks to the genius of Lincoln Riley. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people have questions about Lincoln Riley right now, um, but to me... What he did with Jalen Hurts this year should go down as, as really one of the better offensive coaching jobs that I've ever seen. Yep, yep, I 100% agree. He, for his great, for his, you can't just look only at statistics and the people that keep throwing out statistics as justification for why he should be considered a quote-unquote senior legend. I, it just kind of makes me cringe because... The last half of the season, that was an extremely average quarterback that we were watching. Right. Um, and like, you know, with this, and this will be fun for Alex and Sam. You know what the player comparison is for Jalen Hurts? It's for Russell Westbrook. Uh, and this is okay. a. Uh, <laughs> This is a this is a thing because I've talked about the ways in which this team is just the 2018 Thunder and how angry I am that I got tricked into rooting for the 2018 Thunder again. Um, but I mean, when Jalen Hurts is in the game, it feels like the I mean the offense has to be about him, um, which is natural yeah. in the sport of football because he's a quarterback. But like specifically, like the running plays have to be about like it needs to be. How effective is he as a runner? And, you know, the passing game is limited by his limitations. Um, Like, he just defines so thoroughly the ceiling and the floor. But the offense becomes one-dimensional in a way that I don't think is, like, surmountable. I don't know how, like, I don't know how a team plays, like, versatile, like, basketball around Russell Westbrook. And I don't know how it, like... A football team, like you know, plays versatile. I want to say balanced football, which is like a like a balanced offense is actually Jalen is a very balanced offense because um, he runs so much himself. But it, like you know what I mean, balanced. Like, yeah, balanced, but also limited. Right. Like there's he can do two things, but it's the same two things. And if you know the one thing that he's best at the the counter run game if that's not working then the other th- one thing that he can do certainly isn't going to work right and well i look at look at the difference between the offense this year and last year and you had both situations you have a quarterback that is really adept at running the football um you know both quarterbacks were 1000 yard rushers and last year at no point were you thinking and CD Lamb's not getting involved consistently, or man, like our deep threat isn't getting involved. Like Kyler Murray was able to do like all of the things that Hertz was able to do this year, but also at all times pretty much 
spread the ball around to his playmakers. And mm-hmm. that's what just that's just what Jalen Hurts can't do. Like he right. can he can do things by himself and he can hit if the first receiver is open, like if the first read is open, he can hit mm-hmm. that guy most of the time. Um, yeah. But when this that's why, taken away, yeah. he's not it. Yeah. Like this is why you had Rambo games and you had CD games and you never had a CD and Rambo game. Hmm. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, this is, you know um, this is why the backs, I mean, and part of it is, which, you know, Trey Sermon, I think, is probably the best pass catching back we had. Um, so him getting hurt hurts us. But this is why, like, the backs weren't particularly involved in the passing game. And, you know, losing Grant Calcaterra certainly hurt the tight end production. But, you know, you didn't, there just wasn't a consistent spreading around of the ball. Like, you think about, and this is so unfair to Jalen, but you think about Baker versus Ohio State, where, like, the leader in receptions was Dimitri Flowers with seven. Mm-hmm. And like that's not a Jalen stat. That's just not something he could do. Um, and yeah, so it's like, of course, he put up big stats. He was the offense, and the offense had to be him because he wasn't really, you know, he didn't have the toolkit to get others involved. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The more the more I think about it, that I do kind of agree with the the Russell Westbrook factor. And I, I mean, Russell Westbrook is better at basketball than Jalen Hurts is at football. Right. Right. Like, don't get me wrong, but for the for the you know level that they play, like I think that's probably pretty fair because it is you cap yourself, right? You yep. you like you said, you have a floor, and the floor was winning the Big Twelve this year. Which is awesome. That was great. Winning the Big 12 mm-hmm. for the fifth year in a row in a year that we didn't really know if we were going to be able to do that yeah. was great. It yeah. was awesome to have that guy. But like we, you know, we get into the the big game against LSU. And yeah, it was just like it wasn't going to happen. It was last year against the Portland Trailblazers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't going to happen for us. Yeah. And I, I said average, really. Average is probably a little harsh, but. Whenever you get, whenever you see him compared directly to guys like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, it's just it just makes it so much more stark the difference uh, as far as passing threat. Yeah. Um, and, and like, like and, you uh, even think like on the ground, like yeah. Jalen is a physical runner. He's yeah. got an incredible first cut, which works just every time somehow. Um, but he's not particularly faster than this. No, I don't know if he is faster than like Trevor Lawrence, for instance. I don't think he is faster than Trevor right. Lawrence in like a 40. Trevor Lawrence is fast. You know, right. He's so tall, I think people don't quite uh, realize it. Right. Like Joe Burrow can book it. Justin Fields can book it. Like, yeah. So the, the, my main annoyance level outside of just you know losing the game and everything is kind of the national media's take on Jalen Hurts and how they've basically treated him as – the reason OU made the playoffs and right. how and he kind of in this game, even yeah. in this game, it was there were media members saying things like, "Ah, oh, Jalen's fighting tooth and nail to do his best to keep OU in this," and it's like, no, he's a large part of the reason that this was a blowout and not yeah. a shootout. He yeah, is yeah. the reason it was a blowout and not a well, shootout. Well, he OU in a in a lot of ways, it was OU that got Jalen to the playoff, not the other way around. Like. Right. He was very he was harmful in a lot of ways down the stretch with turnovers and whatnot. So um, it just it just kind of annoyed me because and I, I don't expect national media to understand the minutia of OU season, but that's a pretty glaring uh, just fact in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And it it was misrepresented, um, and I think a lot of that had to do with being a second second in the Heisman. And being, you know, from Alabama and all this stuff. But it's like a lot of, um, just it seemed to me that a lot of the kind of narrative was, oh, plucky Oklahoma is, is just fortunate to have Jalen so they could get back to the, so right. he could get them and, back to and, the And playoffs. that was frustrating. And it wasn't just frustrating. Like, because, you know, and one thing, it's reasonable to not expect national media to understand the minutiae of this team. But at the same time, like, this is a top four team in the country. Right. And, like, exactly. it wasn't like we were hearing about how, um, you know, LSU was leaning on its defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 
people had the story right about LSU. People had the story right about Ohio State and Clemson. Like, <laughs> there are teams that the national media wasn't just completely swinging in the dark on all year. And they were without you. And that is frustrating. Um, because it's going to... Because next year... Um, like, the team is going to have to go undefeated. Probably, yeah. And that's really hard. And I think they can do it, but man, is that when there's no margin for error, that is frustrating. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, no, I think... Yeah, go, ahead. go ahead, Alex. Well, go ahead, Alex. Okay, yeah, I think that that was, you know, over from a big picture standpoint, that was by far the the thing that sucked the most about this game was just that, you know, we already had a narrative that we weren't going to be able to get it done in the playoff. And that was probably going to build even if, you know, we were competitive and lost at the end. Mm-hmm. But yep. now it's, it's not just like that. It's a narrative. It's we're a laughing stock in college football. Like that's yeah. just the reality of the situation. Like it's, we will not be taken seriously, especially defensively until we win a college football game with a great defensive performance. Like it legitimately, we might have to win a damn national championship. Yeah. And then what needs to be tacked on the end of that sentence is on a national stage. We can't go shut out Texas tech because no one's going to care. It has to be against an Ohio state or a Clemson. And we have, they have to perform at a extremely high level. And only then will people start taking you seriously. In a lot of parts, like, yeah, that's extremely frustrating. And, yeah, it's, it was one of the reasons I was pretty lukewarm on the idea of being in the playoff this year when I didn't think we really had any shot at winning it at, uh, at, at the start. But um, on the other hand, I mean, OU's done it to themselves for the, by and large. I mean, three out of four playoffs they've been in, they have lost by you know double digits. So right. it's just it's kind of reality, and they're just going to have to you know fight tooth and nail uh, to change that narrative. I mean, it, they won't be the first team that's had a national kind of uh, shtick where people you know Clemson had Clemsoning for however many years, right. and now look at them. You can dig out of that hole, but yeah, this is just sort mm-hmm. of a. Uh, something that's just going to be with them until they can, you know, overcome it. And like Alex said, the only way that's going to happen is if they win one of these huge games with great defensive play. Right. Right. Which is, yeah, like it, it can't be a situation where you, you go beat Georgia, you know, 42 to 38, you know what I mean? Where your offense Mm -hmm. is great. Like it's gotta be like, Oh, the, like twenty eight seventeen or something crazy, you know what I mean? Like it, it's got to be great defense. So, um, and and I guess you know, like like Nathan said, we we kind of deserve it. Like I mean, yeah. that's that's what that's what teams have to do. And I, what gives me a little bit of hope though is that you know I think if you look back in the history of sports, sports it it's littered with situations where you have a team go at it over and over again and lose over and over again. And then they finally break through. Like, I mean, Michael Jordan is known as one of the greatest champions of all time. And that dude could not win jack shit for his first seven years of his career. And he got beat every damn year in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And people were like, he can't do it. He's not going to get it done. LeBron, the same thing. Right. Um, And I think that, you know, it's all of those. You if you do the work, you can get yourself through that situation. Um, and that's that's what's got to happen. We've got to, you know, close the gap. We've talked all year about how we do feel like we are closing that gap, um, and it's just we've got to prove but, it now. So I mean, that you just brought up a really good point, and I think it directly uh, relates to what we witnessed on Saturday. Um, but a couple weeks ago, we were talking about oh, you know, moving forward that we think next year could be the year where they truly compete. Did the game on Saturday uh, change that thought at all as far as, oh, we're actually this far away, or are we still leaning toward um, 
being able to actually take that leap next year or maybe the year after and it not needing to be a full another three recruiting cycles with Grinch's guys um, to lift that secondary, to lift that defensive talent level overall. Um, is it something that they could achieve in a shorter time frame than that? Um, I think there's reason to... Um, I think there's definitely reason to look and say, like, ult- like regardless of what happens, like, it's still going to be primarily, like, we are not going to out-talent these guys, for sure. And we are not going to out-depth them. Like, we are going to need to have an advantage in scheme and, you know, genius play. Um, the thing to remember, I guess, is that this LSU team is not a sustainable phenomenon, I feel. Like, this was LSU's sleeping giant year that people have prophesied about um, since, like, what? This in, this entire, like, past two decades, essentially, um, of, man, what if LSU had a good quarterback? Like, what if they really had a gunslinger? What could they do? The answer is this. They could do this, um, uh, which is just be terrifying. Um. Like, the question becomes, you know, can they replace Joe Burrow? I don't think they can because, man, is that a hard ask. Um, yeah. But, I mean, but the other aspect of this is that now maybe they have the foot in the, their foot in the door. And they're going to be a place that, uh, like, you know, transfer quarterbacks might come calling. But, like, even what Joe Burrow did this year is, like, is that really sustainable? Like, he wasn't this player last year. Um. You know, he and just, the least sustainable thing is Joe Brady is almost certainly going to the NFL after this one season. Right, because he just turned a guy. Oh, really? I actually didn't know that. Well, That's good to hear. <laughs> I mean, just you think about the like he just turned a quarterback who completed like 60% of his passes last year into a guy who broke yeah. Colt McCoy's record while simultaneously like as he broke that record and then also had like a, like a top – Two season, I basically any other metric. Mm. Yeah, the, yeah. R- the rumor mill going around right now is that they have all seen enough, and I mean, there are talks of him just going jumping straight into being an NFL offensive coordinator right now. Yeah, I mean, I, gu- I guess what the what I'm trying to get at it. My question is, um, with the current talent talent level on defense is that too much of an anchor or does um what we all hope is an an improvement on offense again with most of the offensive line coming back spencer rattler being able to complete a forward pass you know those sorts of things do we think we're right back in that conversation of truly have a chance maybe like 2017 and also just from a macro point of view college football as a whole potentially maybe being down a little bit next year yeah i mean i think all of this is like i think you know you've got trevor lawrence and justin fields um and then if we're right about spencer rattler like there's not another team that's going to be able to touch us at the quarterback position um yeah there's you know this receiving core is going to be you know, if we're again, like if everything projects correctly, this receiving core is going to be incredible. Stacy Wilkins at left tackle. If we're right about that, this line is going to be incredible. Like, and it, yeah, and Beedenbow is currently looking at some uh, some other guys, some some grad transfer possibilities. Uh, right. So that'll be curious to I'll be curious to see what he does there. But I'm not too concerned, especially if Creed comes back. I'm just not that concerned about the line. I think they'll get better. This is their first yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, like, I, so, Bo's the best guy in the country. And yeah. That's just that. Those guys will develop. I'm not that concerned about it. So what I'll say is I don't think – I mean, we are, we are closer than we've been. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we can compete with juggernaut Clemson, juggernaut Ohio State, juggernaut Alabama type like when they're having like great years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in a year that if they're in a little bit of a transition and things aren't quite what they've been and we have a year like 
I think we might be able to. I think we can beat those teams. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you said that. So let's say that this is that next year is a 2017 level national year. I think it'll probably be a little bit yeah. better just because I think the top quarterbacks will be a little better. I mean, well, not a little better, we'll just be better. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is excellent. He'll be the first pick in the draft. Justin Fields will probably be number two in the draft. Those guys are still, those guys aren't going anywhere, but I think the teams around them might be down a little bit. Um, right. Well, and you saw in the, um, you saw in the other game, like losing J.K. Dobbins is going to be a problem for Ohio yeah. State. Clemson's going to lose its entire offensive line except one, except a tackle, left tackle. Uh, Ohio State's going to lose their whole secondary. I mean, right. there's going to be turnover. Now those teams recruit really well, but if if OU is in a situation where they find themselves like a 2017 level field, mm-hmm. um, what are we too, still too far away from back end level talent depth? all that stuff on, on defense or can we, are they able to overcome that just due to likely offensive prowess and just enough on defense? I think I the field, think we are. Uh, yeah. I think if the field is 2017, we were close in 2017 and we'll be a better team next year. Yeah. I think that I'm not sure we can win two games against like if, for whatever reason, if we if we got to draw the where like first game you got to play Clemson, second game you got to play Ohio State, like that would suck. I don't think we could <laughs> yeah. pull that off. Yeah, but if it's a situation where you're playing like the fourth playoff team, you know, yeah. or a yeah, team so, that like like Notre Dame where they went undefeated and like everyone knows they're not quite on the level, but they deserve to be there. Um, yeah. If so you can play that sure. kind of game, <laughs> yeah, right. If you can play that kind of game and then one of those teams where they had to play each other in the first round, I think we mm-hmm. can beat that. I really do. Um, right. But like, and it like, just, it's tough. Right. Like an Alabama team that like pushes its way through the SEC uh, with Talia not being very good or, you know, or hell, Mac Jones for a whole Mac year. Mac Jones, yeah. Jacob Coker, you know. Right, like that sort of with thing. a little bit with a little bit of speed. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm just curious to see how that goes because I I really think for OU to be like um, a team that's truly pumping out draft picks, like it took the offense. Well, I guess that's not true. It took the offense a couple of years to truly become, you know kind of a machine level part it took them two complete years to be like the 2017 offense or they just haven't or they're just sending draft picks every year i think it'll take yeah. probably three years at best probably for the defense to you know become a comparable you know truly good on a national scale uh, level just from recruiting because i think they're just so far behind in the secondary um but yeah you know, if they hit on a couple of guys, I think it's possible. I think they have some pieces. I just don't know if they have the depth, especially at safety. Um, they're just, I mean, I, I saw so many things on just kind of the direct comparison, like people on the sidelines just talking about looking at the two teams on the back end. Like they're secondary compared to our sec- secondary, and it's almost like a high school team versus, you know, an elite right, college yeah. team. So Right. Which again, yeah, I, I'm like, not man. Kerry Crooks just yeah. Uh, don't even get me started sh- on Kerry Crooks. Oh. I'm not sure if I saw Kerry Crooks just out in the wild. I wouldn't fight him if I saw <laughs> him. You know, like I am so mad at him. Like, and obviously there are more. There were a bunch of problems with the previous defensive staff, but I don't think anyone. And I say this. You know, this is bold because Mike Stoops was on that staff. Nobody did a worse job in his time no, in Oklahoma than Kerry Cooks right. did, well, which I, is this, fucking yeah. insane. Well, you just like, A, what a horrible recruiting job. And then, B, like, look how much better these guys are just this year, just yeah. one year later. Parno right. Motley looks like a good corner. Well, Alex made a great point. We were talking about this offline recently, where not only could Kerry Cooks not recruit, but he was also just an amazingly bad, uh, you know, c- 
coach at you know getting guys right. better. They got. Right. They I felt like guys year. in our system under Kerry Cooks got worse. They did I feel... from their freshman to senior years. They were worse players. Right. Well, I I think one of the points I made too though is that I think he's the worst talent evaluator I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the idea. He there are multiple guys on our roster that are neither big or fast. Yeah. How the fuck do you do that at an elite level Division One college football program? How do you recruit defensive backs that are not big or fast on your fucking back end in the back end of your defense? Like that's insane. Like that yeah. is literally yeah. the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, this I, is I can, Oklahoma. Roy Williams I, played here. I compared him to uh, to Kittle. But Alex also made a good point about that, where Kittle wasn't even there long enough to do the complete, you know, burn it to the ground level job that the five years yeah. of Kerry Cooks did. So, right. yeah. And plus, we, well, the other thing with Kittle is if he had stuck around, we could have probably at least got a son and got an all pro tight end. But that's another thing. <laughs> God, it just, it's, <laughs> it's an incredible, it's just amazing to see. Like, if you go back and look class by class, just the incredible whiff after whiff, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really frustrating. But, um, yeah, I don't even have a butt. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I'm kind of seeing, I'm kind of seeing red, so I'm, <laughs> I probably should stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a massive problem with it, man. Like, it just <laughs> did, it never worked. The secondary was worse every year that he was here from an on-field perspective. The player, like, think about some of the guys that he inherited. Like, he inherited some decent players. Yeah. And, like, if you look at the secondary that... Yeah. yeah, The secondary that even, like, Mike Stoops had in 2012. That defense wasn't good, but that secondary was pretty damn good. You know, like, we had NFL guys on that defense and on that secondary... And we just have not had that since Cooks has been there. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's been a fucking train wreck. And it's all, the whole idea of he wanted guys that were twitchy and just the lack of foresight to think of what are those twitchy guys. First of all, he didn't even get the guys that are that twitchy. Yeah, they're not even twitchy. There's (laughs) zero twitch in Justin Broyles. But like, what exactly are those guys? Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. What are those guys going to do against LSU when they have elite big receivers? Like, you still need size in the back end, right? You know? Like, yeah, don't in, don't recruit PJ fucking and Banasaur types. Don't do that. But there are guys that are at least like six feet tall. Like Kendall Dennis is a great example of a guy that would have been nice to have. Like that kind yeah. of athlete with enough size like he's not huge like he's probably 5'11 6 foot but like he's That's not 5'9 5'10 yeah. right. you know like seriously like even even a guy like Jaden Davis like he didn't get picked on a lot on Saturday but like I think LSU could have there were just other sure. more obvious places to go well yeah and every almost every school is going to have trouble covering elite 6'4 receiver second run I mean those guys don't. I mean, there's not many right. of those. Well, guys yeah, because in college, the elite six four guys, uh, most of them are playing receiver. Like, yeah, and that's then that's fine. But like, you know, you, that's why you get the six two guys. That's why you, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Jo- like to me, watching that game, Joshua Eaton, like the importance of him being good, yeah. only <laughs> like escalated to me i was like we need joshua eaton to be a dude mm-hmm. yeah, in this he's, defense for that he's a guy that quick turnaround yeah he's a guy that's going to take he's probably going to need a year just for strength and conditioning but of all the guys that they've recruited i mean he has you know legitimate you know high nfl draft you know first few round potential he's mm-hmm. six two mm-hmm. he can run he's got his arms go all the way down to his ankles I mean, he's what you draw up, you, especially once he puts on that weight, he'll probably be like 6'2", 195, 200. He's going to be a big guy. So, um, I mean, that's, that's, those are the guys that you see at Ohio State right now, that you see at LSU. Um, and so they're, and they're going to continue to try and recruit those guys. Um, but, but that's why I'm curious if next year – you know, if they were to get matched up against Clemson with guys like, 
they don't they won't have T Higgins, but that that type of body type, you know, six four trees that can really run. Mm-hmm. We're still going to be throwing out five ten corners uh, safeties that are a step slow and a couple inches short and that just don't have the range. I mean, I don't know if you all watched uh, Clemson and Ohio State, but <laughs> but it was amazing to watch uh, their linebacker whose name's escaping me, the Buckus Award winner. He was mm-hmm. playing safety quite often. He's nice. he had so much range they were dropping him as the furthest guy back, and he's like six three two thirty. It's just right. Just it's just incredible. But um, those are the I mean, those are the athletes that were just sorely missing on defense. We had two of them. Uh, well, I guess maybe three if you count Perkins. But um, I think we all agree Kenneth Murray's there and Neville's there, and then the rest right. of the defense was just sorely deficient. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I. Well, I think yeah. you could like. I think you could argue Perkins is there, and a guy like Jalen Redmond is. You know, he's yeah. close. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's in that ballpark. He's, just, he's yeah, he's just so yeah. raw. But he he has the even a guy, and like maybe this year's not the best example. But I think a guy like Caleb Kelly is capable of that. Like I, I think, think that Caleb, there's. Yeah, right. I, think I mean, Caleb there was a Kelly time when Caleb Kelly a, was the only five star on the team. I think Caleb Kelly is going to be a really good player next year if he stays healthy. So. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. I and I predicted him Brad right. transferring to Nebraska before the season. So hopefully he'll show me up on that. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good job with that one. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to like bring the that guy up. Who I'm definitely. <laughs> he definitely came out with you know, very quickly that, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. Like there's no question yeah. about it. So that's right. good to hear. We don't even have to think about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, you know, talking about next year is we'll have so much time to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say months. that I, I'm a little, uh, oh yeah. I'm a little bit worried about Deshaun white in terms of, you know, I've, I've seen him get, taken advantage of in space a little bit too much this year to make me comfortable because that should really be his strength. Right. Um, I think some of it, that's... well, I don't know. I, it's, he's a true sophomore is his first year. I'm willing to give him a little, little, uh, yeah. wiggle room. Yeah. I, I hope so. I think I, I really liked him coming out of high school, but we, we don't really need to go all in on him. Um, and I, yeah. So, and like, I feel good about the competition in that room. With guys like Aguebu and Asamoa, like, yeah, I think I think is more we the would spot, but yeah. Oh yeah. But... Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think we would be remiss to to not talk about the quarterback situation from the end of the game, right? Um, because as you guys know, one of my my things is that I do not think Tanner Mordecai is good at football. Um, and I think Lincoln Riley agrees with me, um, based on his decision at the end of the, uh, the peach. And he also doesn't Uh, give a shit about Tanner Mordecai's feelings to, (laughs) if he thinks he's good at football, he's going to let him know. (laughs) Right. So, you know, we got, we got to see a little bit of Spencer Rattler. I think we got four plays of him or maybe, yeah, four plays of Spencer Rattler. Um, and yeah, two drops. There was the great, you know, screenshot picture of, of Tanner Mordecai looking very disappointed on the sidelines. Um, you know, no way to really tell what's going through his head, but like I don't think he was like excited that this other guy was out there instead of him. Yeah. Um, I think and, the, I think some of that's just his resting face though. I don't know. I, I couldn't quite No, I agree. Yeah. yeah, maybe he was. I mean, he could have still. I mean, just been. Oh man, we're getting our butts kicked. Oh, this yeah. sucks. You know, he's probably so, miserable already. Like so. there was, there was plenty to be miserable about. So I, I don't want to speculate too much. Like I don't think, I don't think the guy is is playing. You know, counting down until he's going to get into the portal. Like I don't think that's the situation right. we're in. I expect to see Tanner Mordecai stick around at least in the spring and see how things go. Um, I am very interested to see how Lincoln handles that situation, whether it be, you know, if he lies essentially like he's kind of done, you know, where, you know, like he did with Austin Kendall, like where he's like, Oh, this is the closest battle ever. Like blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Just to keep him, get him to stay all the way through August. I suspect that that's probably what's going to happen. 
I do think that I do think that Lincoln Riley was sending a message at the end of the game. I don't think he was sending it to the quarterbacks. I think he was telling OU fans that, hey, we've got this guy and the future is bright. Like, I honestly believe that because it's the only explanation I think that makes any sense. Yeah, Yeah, the one Lincoln supplied did not make any sense. No, you're not. You're not going to like pull a dude after four plays of getting a first down. It's just not going to happen. Um, but it, it, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that was the things are things are okay. Like, I mean, the tonight sucks, but you know, the future is bright. I think that was the future is bright move from Coach Riley, and he was trying to hide behind that at the end. Like, he just didn't didn't want to come out and say that. So, which I don't blame him for. Um, I do think that the likelihood of Mordecai being in the portal sometime within the next year is extremely high. And I think that, um, you know, it's pretty obvious that Chandler Morris is going to be a quarterback at Oklahoma come next year. Um, and I think that's a total upgrade, but uh, (laughs) if Uh, the King asks, what do you think? Like, what does that conversation even look like? Nah. You want to play slot? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, Lincoln's even, said, Lincoln's even yeah. said he's not taking a one-and-done quarterback. So, right. Um, yeah. Like, emphatically, not even like, oh, I don't think so. He's like, I am not doing that. So, Which, um, yeah. can, we all, can we all take a moment to laugh at how much he kind of is low-key shitting on Austin Gendel when he does that? Because <laughs> he, like... He he went on to say, I think it speaks to the confidence I have in Tanner and Spencer that I'm not willing to take a graduate transfer quarterback. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, right. Austin Kendall's going to see that and be pissed. That's right. Especially given, like, got- it was Josh McQuistian, by the way, a guy who will come away from the season feeling like he was extremely right about Jalen Hurts. I don't, did you guys see his tweet? I think we this? all were. I mean, we all said it right. about that Right. And it's just, well, you think of, and you think about Kendall, like in terms of like, yeah, like he took a bad fit over you, man. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. He did. He made, he'd worked miracles with a running back at quarterback mm-hmm. and whenever he could have had you. But right. yeah, I mean, he Austin, got a running it's back. It's not like Austin Kendall proved him wrong. Cause yeah. I mean, Austin Kendall promptly went to West Virginia and then lost his job. So yeah. Right. Anyway, to Jarrett, something called a Jarrett Dakey. So, yeah. yeah. Which just tells you all you need to know about how seriously you should take Lincoln Riley's comments about a quarterback battle. Yeah. Because so, that guy was neck and neck with Kyler Murray until like a week before the season. So, yeah. Air quotes that's, around that's that. That's honestly yeah. what I'm most relieved for because if, you know, he put Mordecai in to keep him around through the summer and have a backup quarterback, you know, he would have said that it's a quarterback battle between Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler and like at what point does that also get annoying to players and freshmen coming in like it's not it was not ever going to be a battle and he would have said it was the same he did with Kyler and Austin Kendall when it clearly was never a battle and so I'm glad we're not doing that of what fourth time (laughs) I mean I, I still I'm think not it's going to happen. Out, man. No, we are yeah, absolutely still, gonna, we're going to absolutely gonna hear about how great Chandler is. Yeah. Like, I, well, I mean, I think it's going to happen with Tanner. Uh, right. I do too. Yeah. I think it's going to go deep. I think he's going to stay through the spring. Yep, yeah. I do too. I don't think it should. I honestly believe, like, at a certain point, you just have to be upfront and truthful well, about the, it, and just be like, the hey. players can see it every day. I mean, if it's all if it's lopsided, they know it's all bullshit. But right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, and Tanner I mean, Mordecai could see that shit. Yeah, right. I mean, I can Which understand. Is... <laughs> I understand it from like a I want to have a experienced backup. Like from a Lincoln stand, standpoint, I completely get it. Mm-hmm. But from a like everything else standpoint, everyone just kind of rolls their eyes. So, right. yeah. There's a there's a funny anecdote um, regarding Lincoln's time at Texas Tech that uh, I. Um, is I don't think it's necessarily illuminating, but it's related in a funny way, which is that, uh, you know, he walks on at quarterback there and mm-hmm. um, like <laughs> apparently there was a point where like Dana Holgerson was like, w- like went to Leach and was like, look, you got to cut this kid. My receivers are getting pissed because he can't get them the ball. 
Yeah. Because he had like he basically apparently was like an arm punter because his his shoulder was so screwed right. up. Right, he just he, he got his shoulder destroyed his senior season yeah. at Mule Shoe, and yeah, just couldn't throw it. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, are we so, out? So yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, really I don't know if y'all there's... do, but I got a roll. So if y'all would like to close out the podcast, it's been a fun season, guys. We'll have yeah. a lot of. Yeah. A lot of fun, dumb stuff to talk about in the off season. We right. will, we will rebuild. Exactly, we will rebuild, and we've got, we've got so much off season to talk through. So yeah, I think yeah. it's, I think it's fair to call it now. Love um, doing this with you guys. Let's keep it going. Exactly. Uh, thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, on the Google Play Store, or on Podbean, or really anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RW Maxi at, uh, purred happily. That's P U R D underscore H A P L E Y. Um, or at not that Sam Davis. Um, and Nathan's Twitter's private and we respect his, we respect his decision. Um, when we'll just, we'll have to wait until signing day, I think, um, to see where he ends up. (laughs) Um, I got the hats, so stay (laughs) tuned. Exactly. He's oh my god, he signed with Mastodon. Um, uh, yeah, if you Mastodon. enjoyed the podcast, uh, leave a review, uh, share it with a friend. You know, just get the word out. Uh, we got a long off season ahead of us, but we're gonna probably record regularly. There's a lot of basketball to talk about. There's, I mean, I mean, Nathan prepped this whole thing about Dragon Ball Z that we ultimately didn't have time for today. But I think there's absolutely room for us um, just being sad and explaining weird things to each other. Yeah. I'm going to learn you um, some. So. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all. Uh, we'll see you all next week.